You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. It's time for the End of Conversation podcast with funny man Damian Lemon. Crazy East Dominican, you know, Vladimir Camayo. My cool man from the county of Dade, Ali Muhammad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We back. We back. In the conversation. Conversation. Minus one. Minus one. Your, the homie uh, Damien Lemon is not available today. He is uh, he's shooting. Out he's, shoot, he's, get, he's, he's getting work, man. They shooting. They shooting. Shots fired. Major look. You a page in this. What's it is? You a slave to a page in my round book? Yeah, that's it. That's the classic, right? Yeah, it is. I actually just saw um, this is Zomatic. Time is Zomatic. Nas is hot right now. Nas is hot. Nas is getting a little heat. He's getting a little, a little right. iron. Little that, iron on him. That, that, that late in the game, yeah. fourth quarter, back up. You know what I'm saying? Let me ask you a question, Lee. Do you think part of Nas's uh, career, the trajectory he's gone, is because he's not as poppy as some of the other artists? Nah. Nah. I think Nas is just, it's one, he had two things on, you know what I'm saying, two things that, you know, affect his trajectory. One, just the the classicness of his first album. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? So you have that to live up to every time you come out, every time you open the mic. Just like Andre 3000 once said on a verse, he was like, trying to outdo my last verse, that is my curse. You know what I'm saying? So Nas had that straight out the gate. You know, they, they you know, they gave him the five mics, they gave him the reincarnation of Rock M, God M C all over again. That's you know, that's a tough thing to live up to and to stay real and authentic, but also stay commercial, you know what I mean? So you would see that a lot in Nas albums, how, you know, he battled between being commercial and being authentic and, and had and that, and gritty, yeah, right, yeah, right. that gritty texture. And so, you know, I think I think that affected his trajectory because he was never just a commercial, I'm going to do a, a bunch of club bangers and get that number one hit. You know, I just listened to, uh, I just downloaded the the, the Lost Tapes. Mm-hmm. I thought that was excellent. You per- buy it? I bought it on iTunes. I nice. bought it on iTunes. I bought, nice. uh, you know, Do-Rag, Zombies, um, Purple. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I entered like a, like, I was like so happy I found this album. I was like, this is crazy. Why is that? It, re- it reminded me of Old Nas. Mm-hmm. That, that the, the way, I don't know, the feel of it, the beat production, reminded me of like that, that Illmatic style. I wasn't an early fan of Nas. When did you get on board? That uh, one of those later albums, the one with um, with with Major Look on it, actually. That was that uh, that was uh, the one with I know I can be what I want to be. Yeah, that whole album. You know what I'm saying? That was a tough album. But um, when Nas first came out, you know, you gotta understand, you got us sitting down in Florida. You know, we have our people we listen to, and then you have the New York media. Just basically pushing Nas down your throat, saying, you know, this is guy, he the shit. Before the album, we had never heard of him. The album never came out, but he already had five mics and was already this is a classic album. We was like, man, fuck that shit. Do you think you think Nas was too New York for Miami at that particular moment? Well, it was just the it was the environment, just the you know, what I'm saying what was going on in hip hop. You had the different regions starting to bubble, and you had the media still pushing just New York. You know what I'm saying? You had, you know, the source and, you know, 
I don't even know if was Vibe out when Nas' first album came. Vibe might have dropped right after that because they came out in 93, but it might have been a little later. But definitely you had the source just pumping Nas. And to us, we felt like, you know, it was more about beats. It was more about, you know what I'm saying? It was the whole thing. So, you know, we were on like 8-Ball MJG. Was Wu-Tang out yet? Wu-Tang probably had came out. We was we was feeling Wu-Tang. Um you had you had Outkast come out that year, so you know it was basically like, yeah, you know, we got shit too, you know, so we don't have to be force fed this New York. And so, me personally, I didn't really give it a chance out the gate because I heard the beats, ah, them beats ain't shit. I, I have a, you know, I didn't get into Nas until like college, but that's only because you know I grew up in the Bronx and my family, my dad didn't like hip hop growing up. Mm-hmm. My dad hated hip hop; thought it was too much violence, too much cursing. He used to hate Tupac. Um, <laughs> Tupac in particular, because I guess, I don't know for whatever reason, the tattoos maybe, maybe the shirtlessness. I mean, put some tu- clothes on. Tupac said a lot. Yeah, you know, my dad hated Tupac. My brother would put them on, and my dad would tell him to shut the radio down. Like, put that off. Um, so I didn't, get, I didn't get the freedom to listen to hip hop until I got to college. That's when I started to, like, I had the freedom to. So what was out when you first started to really get the freedom? I got onto a Tupac hard, man. Tupac was my dude, dog. <laughs> wow. Ah, yeah, Tupac was out. Tupac was I get I think I remember watching uh I think it was Above the Rim. Mm. And I remember watching Juice. And Tupac stood out to me, I guess because of the films. Right. Um and then he was in some movie, some like horror movie, some horror comedy movie, where he was with Digital Plants. He they they had him in one, in one of, he was in a, he was in a movie and they came out and they performed in a movie. <laughs> Right. It was like Dan Aykroyd was in it, I think. Right, 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 right. So he, he kept popping up in my life in these little weird ways. So when I got a chance, I was like, I'm listening to some Pac. Mm-hmm. And when I got into Pac, man, I, it, was, it was it. Yeah, Pac, has, Pac was hard when he first came up. He had something to say right off the rip. You know, he was just, uh, yeah, well, the, 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 I Get Around. That's the song I first heard. I Get, I get around. around. Step up, step, step up, step up. Yeah, Round and round, round we, we go, go. I get around. Yeah, Pac, Pac. You know what I'm saying? It was a it was a lot of options. Ninety three, I mean, you had a lot of options. You had tribe, you had you had uh ghetto boys. Trick or treating. You know what I'm saying? You had DJ Quick. You know, it was a lot of options coming around ninety two, ninety three. So when you just isolate this one character out of New York, it's kinda like, come on, man, all this raw shit that was out and that's the best y'all got. Let me ask you a question, Ali. I always, always ask my friends this in terms of hip-hop authenticity. Mm-hmm. Is it more so the lyrics or is it more so the beat production and the sensibility of the beat and the instrumentals of it? Well, for like from my perspective, a lot of times in hip-hop, it's more just about the total story, the, the texture of the story to me. You know what I'm saying? Some, like I was, um, I was with DJ Clean and he was doing a 90s party. Shout out DJ Clean. So he came through and I got I got, you know, crates from the nineties. I got crates and crumb crates upon crates. Wow. So he came through just to do some research and then I'm just breaking down a lot of the subtle nuances of the different records. So when we were in the party, he's playing the records and um and and he followed up something that was like a real hip hop song, like with real good hip hop texture with JJ Fad Supersonic. And I was like, ah, you can't, you can't really follow that with JJ Fag. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, it rocked. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, in retrospect, you know what I'm saying? A song is a song that had hits. But, like, when you're trying to string together a set 
of of things, you know what I'm saying? You don't necessarily throw JJ Fad in the middle of that. And but it was a time where he had a good string going and, and something he played led me to say, yo, you need to play um uh shit, the the Sir Mix a lot. I like bit busting again. I cannot lie. Because whatever he was playing, it was kinda a bridge between you know, a real, real hip hop song and like a, you know, poppy catch, you know, poppy pop song. You know what I'm saying? So it, it was a good bridge to throw in that Sir Mix a lot. And it worked. You know what I'm saying? So even in retrospect, when you're looking at it, certain songs have a certain type of authentic texture that's different from your pop radio hits. Right. You know? Because I don't know, I, I was listening to Quiet Storm the other day and that beat, the Quiet Storm beat, and. Mm-hmm. When I listen to beats like that, from Mob Deep, Mob Deep, I listen to that beat. I listen to the Wu Tang beat, uh, Thirty Six Chambers. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, mm. Like those beats for me. Like if I had to give hip hop, like you know how you feel, like you feel the fabric, like velvet. You're like mm-hmm. this is velvet. That to me feels like hip hop. Those those types of beats. Yeah, but then see when you get different perspectives, you like for me with Wu, I think. Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. It's, Another it has, classic one. You know one. what I'm saying? It has, you know, real, real, real texture to yeah. it. Yeah. So I think sometimes when I ask myself, like, you listen to hip hop now, people are like, oh, is it hip hop still going on? How much of it is just the the, the, the production, the, who's putting the beats out? Because to me, like, every rapper's doing, everybody's doing electronic, you know. Um, and, that, and that's fine because, because some of the electronic stuff, it, you know what I'm saying? It, it still has a texture when it's done right. You know what I mean? Like, if. If if you just jump on, if everybody just jumps on the DJ Mustard beat, you know what I'm saying, then it loses its, you know, texture to it. It's just it just becomes some a print. It becomes you know what I'm saying that rayon print that everybody was wearing, like the polka dots and shit. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, but when you kind of keep the diversity to it, and you you know you got these different voices and these different things that that still spark that you know what I'm saying. That that interest in your mind, you know what I'm saying? That 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 brings goosebumps to your to your skin Bingo. and shit. Then you know you got something. You know what I mean? You know, I was trying to work out a joke, dude. That I was uh, I was on the train one time, and this actually happened, dude. I got emotional. Of my, you know, my playlist was on shuffle, mm-hmm. and the damn thing went from uh, Kanye, and it just somehow skipped to Wu Tang. Mm-hmm. And I got emotional on the train. You know, it's one of those things. You like, you know, I'm sure like if you cry, I, I got a little teary eyed. <laughs> It was Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. It was that song, and I was boom 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 Flash crying right now. Boom boom boom. Yo, I couldn't believe because the song is so hard. You know what I mean? But I was crying because it brought back all that, all that nostalgia for me. You know what I mean? I was like Wu Tang Clan. Yo, they not they not nothing to fuck with, man. Yo yo yo. They not to be fuck with. You know they got a record coming to come up. Some 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 with the ruckus. Oh, they always got the ruckus, right? You know what I mean? They always bringing that ruckus. Yeah, the first time I heard Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with, I was in Miami, and it was like one of those nights after the club, and everybody would go down to Seventh Avenue where you had at seventy whatever street that is, this Jumbos, and then at the other end it was Burger King. A black guy named Willie Taylor had a Burger King on Fifty Fourth Street. So Willie Taylor. <laughs> so Burger- Willie was the Burger. He was the king. Yeah, Willie Taylor Burger King on Fifty Fourth Street. So it would be a parade in between Fifty Fourth and Seventy Third, whatever that sh- whatever street it was. Heart Attack Row. 
And I mean, no, it's just where everybody went. After the club, it's like all of the cars, all of the girls, you know what I'm saying? Everybody who had, a, you know, their cars fixed up. It's just, it was like Crenshaw of Miami. Right. So everybody would go out there. And this one guy, you could tell he was backing up the music till he hit the right spot where everybody was at. And so he came around the corner, and then all of a sudden you heard that woo. Like what? Turn heads, right? Like what the fuck is that? No, because nobody knew what it was. Yeah, I yeah. never heard it before. And then the motherfucking bass dropped in. Boom, 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 boom. I was like, yo, 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 that <laughs> shit sounds crazy. What was <laughs> 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 What's the first thing you said? Like, yo, who's that? Like, you know, what I'm saying? I knew I because I vaguely heard it before, but I had never heard it in that context. I never heard it in a loud system. Street was packed. Street was packed. Everybody out there, you know, and you could tell he was just wild for the night. He was young and just having it. He was, you know, he was. He and when he hit, as soon as he hit the corner, he had it timed perfectly. As soon as he hit the corner, that bass dropped down. Boom, 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 boom. The streets lost it. Not really, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they didn't really lose it because nobody knew what it was. You know what I'm saying? But, but it's so funny to me how our generation. You know, my dad gets emotional over his songs growing up, like old by mm-hmm. old Dominican music, and uh, you know, my dad gets my dad gets sad over that music. Like he'll be in the room by himself with the lights off, listening to old Dominican music, and he'd be sitting there like, "Esto música, this is music," you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, "Ding ding 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 bang bang bang." Yeah, because uh, he remembering that's just jam, you know what yeah. I mean? But then I listen to the lyrics of my dad's music, and it's love, this texture. It's like you know, it's, it's a guy talking about. A uh, woman cheated on him. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. my generation is gonna be like these hoes ain't loyal. They're they not loyal. Same, same thing, just a little more straight <laughs> to a little the more point. straight to the point. <laughs> <laughs> same thing, man. Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. That's what I'm gonna be crying to. <laughs> my, my kids are gonna be like, "What are you crying about? That the Wu Tang? They ain't nothing to fuck with. They was nothing they, they was to not, fuck with. Okay." Yo, whatever had yo Ali? Whatever happened to the sketches, man? They used to have good sketches on the albums. Remember the sketches in between songs? Fuji La. Uh, Wu Tang. Dr. Dre things? was the master of the sketches. What happened to that man? Is that I mean, lost? I mean, albums are lost, so you you gonna miss uh, the sketch. You're right. You're right. You're you don't right, have the right. whole album to listen to. Yeah. You miss the sketch when you just got the single download. You don't need a sketch. I remember the Fuji sketch. Remember at the Chinese store. Mm-mm. You remember? <laughs> <laughs> at least you were honest. Now they had this funny sketch about a dude going into the Chinese store, and then Wu Tang obviously had the, the the classic one with Met the Man. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll sew your butt cheeks together. Oh man, that's terrible. <laughs> I remember I told my dad. My dad, my dad was like, "What is he saying?" And I was like, "Dad, he's saying you're gonna sew your butt." He's like, "This is what y'all like. This is what y'all listening to." <laughs> I keep feeding you and feeding you and feeding you, and my brother and I were like, "Yo, this is awesome." Right. My dad was like, "Turn that off. This is disgusting." Right, and that's what these kids are doing right now. To the shit you saying, this is disgusting. Oh, to what? Uh, to, uh, to what they jamming to? Yeah, Bobby Schmurter. Bobby Schmurter. Bobby Schmurter song. I just caught a buddy like a week ago. A week oh ago. man! Yo, my son gonna be crying to that in <laughs> twenty years from now. Like, doing, oh, the doing the Schmurter dance. Oh man, I remember when he caught that body a week ago. How <laughs> oh, can I forget? I was in the eighth grade. My first girlfriend. We rocked out about a week ago. <laughs> With the iPhone 10 in his hand. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's a hologram. <laughs> yeah, man. So, you know, it, it, 
music is music, man, and you can't you can't define it for whoever the listener is. I was watching. Uh, I was in a hotel last night, Ali, in between shows and a. Wait, 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 you got to tell them why you was in the hotel. I was gigging. I was in, I was in slot. You know, what, what's gigging, off. man? What the hell is gigging? I had some college. I had two colleges. I was in, uh, I was in Oneonta yesterday. And see, uh, see, Vlad is being modest. Vlad is out on a tour right now, getting it in, getting busy. He barely made it in here today. Yeah, you I was uh, traveling and. Uh, so now you can take it. Go ahead where you going. Yeah, check me on Instagram, man. You see the photos. I'm doing my thing out there, and uh, I'm I come home back to the to the uh, to the uh, to the gig, and I'm tired, dude. Long night. Networking with the students, whatever, mm-hmm. and I get to the crib and I'm about to fall asleep. And guess what comes on? Motown 25. Okay, they got the nine, nine DVD collection. <laughs> it's a DVD collection of the actual performance that they had. Uh-huh. 25 year Motown anniversary. Marvin Gaye, uh, the the tops, the four tops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Temptations. Yeah. Diana Ross. They were talking eighty dollars, but I was this close to to buying it, dude. Like something about those classics, man. I was I was about to pull the trigger. I was about to be eighty dollars for a set of nine DVDs. Hey man, it would have been worth it, man. Stephen Stevie Wonder was on there. Yeah, yeah. I seen it and um, they had it playing in the Soul Food spot around the corner from my crib. The actual DVD? Yeah, well, yeah, one of them. I was like, wow, look at all these these um, classic artists. And I was sitting there going, I can only imagine like that's like for us if we go out and then Jay Z and Nas are playing one night. Obviously, they're gonna be old as dirt, but uh, they coming back for a little reunion. <laughs> Just coming out in a wheelchair. I got 99 problems. <laughs> Black Republicans. And my hip is one. And my hip is one. <laughs> <laughs> don't hit me. Don't hit me. <laughs> um, turn my oxygen tank up. Yeah, um, I, I had this. Um, I, I saw this thing Rolling Stone did with uh, Rick Rubin speaking of 99 problems. And um, basically they went back to the dorm room where he started Def Jam uh, 30 years later. You know what I'm saying? It was mm-hmm. the first time back to the NYU dorm room where they started Def Jam. And um, it was a pretty good little piece, man. It's on Rolling Stone? It's the new issue? No, it's Rolling, it was a video, rollingstone.com. Oh, it's online? Yeah. Okay. So, it's uh, yeah, it's online. I got to check that out. Yeah, it's real dope. It's real dope because, you know, that, that for me, that was the, the era, like, when I discovered it. You know what I mean? So, and... Def Jam and Rick Rubin's production and all that stuff is what, you know, sealed the deal. You know what I'm saying? Especially like, I mean, Rick Rubin started bass music, really. You know what I mean? By the use of the the way he used the 808 drum. And, right. And it's yours. He dropped it lower than everybody else dropped it. So when you when it got to Miami and you got the guys, you know what I'm saying, having bass contests and shit like that, we had a DJ... Um, Disco Dave. Disco Dave would slow the records down to achieve a lower bass sound. So kind of like what DJ Screw did later in the 90s. Disco Dave was already Disco doing Disco Dave was doing it in the 80s to make the bass drop down lower because not only was he a DJ, he was a, he was basically should have been an engineer because he hooked up all the sound. He was the first one with the, with the burned out chips and the beepers. So he was very technically savvy. So... He is would, Disco Dave getting any credit, Ali, for this? What's going no, on, No, Disco Dave's not getting no credit. That's why we're talking Chris, about we gotta, it. That's, that's, that's why we're in the Dave, conversation. Man. That's why we're in the conversation. You got to big up Disco Dave, Disco Dave, man. man, DD. Disco Dave. Make the bass come out so clear, 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 clear. But anyway, so Disco Dave would slow the records down so the bass would drop harder. But when It's Yours came out, it was like, ah, no need for that because the bass is already, already dropping. 
And then so after it's yours, that's all that's all people in Miami wanted to hear it was that bass. You know what I'm saying? So then what all of the Def Jam stuff, the bass just started getting deeper and deeper and deeper till you got to run DMC's uh Together Forever. And the bass was just totally Rocking. out of this world. Like boom, 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 bass. You know what I'm saying? So that was like the that was the foundation of what became, you know, the Miami sound, which still is the same, like the eight oh eight is still the drum right now to this day. So it was classic that was a classic move and it was a game changing, game shifting move to just drop the bass on the eight oh eight drum. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for and uh Disco Dave, shout out to Disco Dave. Shout out to Disco, Disco Dave, Dave, you know what I'm saying? Who predated it, you know what I'm saying? So he 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 showed that the need was there <laughs> to drop that bass. Disco Dave. Disco Dave. Now, Ali, you got kids, man. How do you stay? Do they keep you relevant? They keep you tuned with what's out there in the streets, like musically? Yeah, but, you know, I'm not. You know I don't know what's going I don't, on, dog. I mean, it, it's nothing to keep up with the music. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's because I'm tr- I've trained myself to do that. You know what I'm saying? That has been, you know, what I did as a, as a, as a youth, as a passion. That's what I did as a job. You know what I'm saying? So it's nothing to to stay up on the music. I know how to discover music. That but is, you bring up a good point though. Like no one that that album situation is gone. No one listens to albums anymore. No, no, no. Nobody listens to the album in its entirety. How you sequenced it and all that shit. Nobody does that. They, they would tell a story in the in the past. Right? They'd be like a whole full fledged like this is what I'm about. That's what they would try to do. It's all it doesn't. Singles, it does, yes, it's all singles. So you had to figure out how to tell that story. But now. People are telling that story in different ways. That's why they're using the visuals and the video, you know what I mean, to tell those stories now. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I got into the business that I'm in is because that became a new way to tell the stories. A new addition to to the paradigm is is you can expand the story. So if you take somebody like Rihanna, shout out to Rihanna. She's back on Instagram as of yesterday. She made a comeback? She made a comeback, you know what I mean? Um, somebody like Rihanna, who is might not have the best vocal skills, might not be the best dancer in the world, but I think in this particular age, she has mastered how to continue the conversation across multiple platforms in between all of that. Tell me more. What do you mean? So, you know, she, she'll have her records or whatever, but she'll be on Instagram today. And... Through her Instagram, you will get a better story of who she is than through her music. It's almost like the music is like the soundtrack to her social media skills. You know what I'm saying? So her actual talent is being able to keep people's attention across multiple platforms at, you know what I'm saying, at the same time, which is a transmedia story, and she's a transmedia expert. So, for example, she'll drop a song. And then you'll say she'll tie it into whatever she's doing. No, no, no. She's just going to, she's omnipresent on social media, period. She's going to take her pictures every day. She's going to give these girls new looks to look at. She's going to give a guy something to look at every day. She's going to, you know what I'm saying? She's going to show up in different places and everything that she's doing. She's basically telling you through her social media. And she does it, you know what I'm saying? She does it better than most. Whereas in the past, you're saying, Prior to the internet, social media, the album, the album, the videos. Yeah, the that. album, the album. At first, it was the music would have to do that. Then your your concert, 
Then videos came along and added another element where you could put out your album and then as many videos as you can from that album. Then, you know, MP3s come out and albums go away. You know what I mean? So now you don't really, everybody's downloading one song at a time, one song over here, this, that, and the third. And then, so you don't have that opportunity to tell a story as effectively anymore because you don't have the control of having somebody put the needle on the record and just sit through the record until, you know what I'm saying, it's over. You know what I'm saying? So now, you know, artists are using other platforms to continue their story. You know what I'm saying? So you have, like, the younger guys are using, like, Bobby Smurda doesn't exist without social media. Correct. You understand? Correct. He don't exist without social media. Soldier Boy was, you know what I'm saying, at the forefront of using social media to to spread a story. You know what I'm saying? He was at, he was one of the first to to really utilize YouTube in a way that engaged audiences and pushed up his viewers. You know what I mean? So now as an artist, we I know Damien likes to talk about this a lot. It's like, you know what I'm saying? He likes to say that, you know, you know, is is the things that the artists do outside of the the art itself more important than the than the art. You know what I'm saying? So we tend to know more about, you know, these artists' backstories and what they did this weekend and what they ate for breakfast and what they wore to their meeting and, you know what I'm saying, where they at on vacation. That's become the entertainment. Right. So, like I said, it's almost like the music is the soundtrack to your social media story. So then... Um Basically, you're saying is that we're dealing with a different kind of attention span. I mean, you could you could say that, but I think people pay attention to the social media a long time. It's not like they just look at it and they go. They own it. They own it all day. We're dealing with new mediums. We're dealing with new platforms. We're dealing with an expanded story. We're dealing with do you have the skill set not only to do your craft, but to do it and spread it out in a way where people can enjoy it 24 hours a day. Let me ask you this, Darlie. Outside of the outliers, mm-hmm. and by outliers, I mean like the Bobby Smurders, the Rihannas, people mm-hmm. that pop on social media. Mm-hmm. What does an artist do in an already saturated market? You know, you could put, you could put, you could play, you could play the volume game and put stuff every day. Mm-hmm. But what if the people listening are already engaged by the Rihannas, the Beyonce's, the Nicki Minaj's, you the Taylor Swift's? Where, where's the inno- what's the in- where's the innovation going to come from? What's the next? That's gonna come from an artist that that's that needs to needs to be heard. You know what I'm saying? And when you need to be heard, and you had a story that that you need to tell, and and you had the urgency, and you put the urgency behind it, you're gonna you 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 can't you can't expect to say I have this story and I have great music, and you know everybody should listen to me, and they and they should. It's not gonna happen. Because what I hear you kind of saying is that the music is not enough. I didn't say that. I just said that we have more platforms, and some right. people work those platforms better than others. Now, for some people, the music can be enough, but you still have to get the music out there. Right. So somebody has to be pushing the music for you, and if radio's only playing 20 songs, you know what I'm saying, ain't no more video networks, you know what I'm saying? MTV, where MTV used to be. Right. right. So where, does, where do people hear your music? So let me play devil's advocate, Ali. What percentage of an artist's success is based on their own hustle versus uh, uh, a label pushing them? And that, that equation doesn't exist because if it did, it would be mastered by everybody. You know what I'm saying? An artist, 
An artist has to grow and evolve through their own ecosystem. You know what I'm saying? And then sometimes labels see that and pick it up and then expand it and put money behind it and push it like with an Iggy Azalea or something like that. Ariana Grande. You know what I'm saying? But but each individual artist has a path. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times that path starts with one social group, your crew, your city, you know what I'm saying, your block, your town, your college, wherever you at. And then it grows from there. It's like the Ebola virus, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It starts somewhere, but then somebody else takes it. Yo, when I was in Miami, I heard this crazy shit, you know what I'm saying? Then they take it back to wherever they came from. But now it's on the internet. So now it's like, yo, I saw this crazy shit, and here go the link. Share the link on Twitter. So, yeah, it's going to be, it's always, the internet is a very saturated place. But at the same time, the internet needs new material every day. And there lies an opportunity for artists and whoever else to drop in new shit to feed the beast every day. Because comedians get cynical. You know, a lot of comedians out there are bitter, like, you know, I ain't got no management. That's why I ain't getting nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so get a manager. You know, um, and this conversation always comes up. It's like, you know, the chicken or the egg. What came first, the, the industry or the, or the, or the art? Um, you know, that, that conversation always happens. Like, how does so-and-so get this? How does so-and-so get that? When did artists get lazy? When did, when did it become, I do this so I just should automatically have success? It's a sense of entitlement some artists yeah, when, did, when, did, when did that come about? Uh, because if you don't grind that shit out, you know what I'm saying? Ain't nothing guaranteed. Right, Everybody right, right. always knew that if you went into the arts, there was no nothing guaranteed. You know what I'm saying? It was it was you either win or you don't. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I don't recall when it became a point where I do this so I must succeed. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's everything's saturated and I don't I have no manager to push it, so you know, why isn't why why am I not successful? Fuck, you got to get out and grind that shit out. You gotta, yeah, you got you to gotta figure out how to get to your audience. That's the whole point. If you got art, if you have whatever, you have to figure out how you're going to get somebody to look at that shit or listen to that shit. You know what I'm saying? So whether it's, you know, everybody think, okay, I, I'm an artist. I got to put my shit in the gallery or my shit got to be on the radio. But then you, people like Bobby Smurder and those guys, they don't give a fuck about that. They, they made a fucking song. They had some fun. They put it up. And that shit just ended up, people ended up liking that one part, and it it went. You know what I'm saying? These kids, they don't care about no radio right now. They just, shit, they got SoundCloud, and they're going to put that shit up. You know what I'm saying? 20 years ago, we wouldn't be here doing this shit right here. You know what I'm saying? Because it wouldn't be a platform for us to go record some shit. Where are you going to put it? I'm going to record me a radio. I'm going to record a radio show, a talk show, and... Yeah, I'm going to put it on a cassette and I'm going to let my friends listen to it and I'm going to make dubs of the shit. I just, I guess I just always think about where the... Because what you just said was that you got to find your audience. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the platforms are so changing so rapidly, dude. I mean, I was at a school and these kids are using Yik Yak now. Mm-hmm. It's another platform. They go on Yik Yak. You know, and it's almost as if everybody's playing catch up. You know, and the people that are already established already have so much ground in that platform that for you to jump in, you almost got to look at it from a distance and go, what can I do differently? Because sometimes you just do you. Right. And you don't have to be different. What works? 
what can I do that works? What's working on Yik Yak? What the fuck are y'all talking about on Yik Yak? Sometimes it's just just getting in there and just being in the conversation. Um, so if you sit back and try to figure it out and you know study it and what are they doing with it, nobody's fucking figuring that shit out. Motherfuckers is doing okay. It records six second video. Okay, what can I do in six seconds? And bam, and then motherfuckers innovate the space. And then you got whole new celebrities that just do six second videos and shit, and they fucking popular. See, because the game is so flip right now, Ali. Because like, if you were to tell me prior to Vine, yo, we gonna put up six second videos and people gonna love it. Like, if I was an investor, I'd be like, hell, no, I ain't putting no money. Have no. you seen them shit though? Oh, people love it. Have you? Have you? Oh watched yeah, yeah, Vine? yeah, yeah. I watch Vine. I follow my friends are on it. The innovation is crazy. But the videos they're able to make are insane. So. But if, you, mean, but if you were to tell me, like if I was an investor and you and you had the vine and you said, Vlad, I need some money to put this platform together. Here's, I'll be like, what's the idea? We're going to make six second videos and people are going to love it. I'll be like, get out of here. Right. And the, and the joint took off. And it took off. And they created a whole new platform. It's just like giving motherfuckers in the Bronx, you know what I'm saying, a mixer to blend two turntables. I guess you're right. It is similar. It is a similar you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. technology. Yeah, it's technology. Same Tech, yeah. That's hip hop was based on technology. We just talked about it. The 808 came, right? That's a beat machine. Rick said, okay, I'm going to turn the decay up and make the decay longer on the kick drum. So it'll go boom instead of boom. Slow it down. Now, you got a whole fucking region that's like, yo, that's our shit. And we're going to fucking make a whole new kind of music just based on boom. You know what I'm saying? So Which you got like cats like Luke and Magic Mike and you know what I'm saying? Oh, everybody out of Atlanta and Big Oomp and, and Kiss It Rock and all those cats made hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars just off of technology change. You understand? So, yeah, the technology going to always change and shift. You know? It's your job to figure just do what you do and make something out of it. I'm a comedian. All right. Hmm, the six second shit sound cool. Let me see what I could do funny in six seconds. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's how it goes. And that's what people are doing. It's like, so you got you got people like Rihanna who just like, fuck it, that's what we doing? Okay. It ain't no long drawn out, let me fucking figure this shit out. It's okay, that's what we doing, that's what let's do it. But the game is still based on finding your audience, right? That's the game. Finding your audience. That's always been the game. And then in t- and tied to that is advertising. Yeah. Could be. People want to sell some some products behind we you. We could be, but the, your job is as an artist or as a person, as a business person in the entertainment industry, is you have a product. Your job is to find the audience. And what I've discovered is there's somebody that likes everything. So your job is to find the people that like your shit. Right. So if you're successful at college and you're just coming off a of 10 college tour 10 college tour and shit you need to double back and hit the colleges on some other shit if you find out yik yak was the shit everywhere you went you need to be on yik yak say yeah yik yak yeah this the shit i learned at penn state what up you know what i'm saying next school i'm going to hey what up it's crazy to me dude like that it's you have to be on like that it's a muscle it's a grind what you thought it was no, I knew it was a grind. It's just that to me, it's like, um, 
I mean, at the end of the day, you still got to come up with funny concepts. You still got to write. You got to get up in the morning. You got to write. You got to write, 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 write funny concepts. And then it's a matter of using these mediums to manipulate those concepts. Right. So if I got a funny idea, I got to sit there and go, which medium is best for this idea? Right. Is it a Vine? Is it a YouTube video? Is it a, a tweet? Is it a, a stand-up? You know, you got... So... Um, but it just seems sometimes I mean, it seems to me it means it's so manic. Like, dude, I can't even keep up with everything going so, on. So, so why don't you get somebody in your camp that can keep up with shit? Oh, well, I've been trying to self educate myself, you know. Like, yeah, but you can't learn everything. You can't be the master of everything. You can't be you can't be here if you need to be over there. You know what I'm saying? If if you, it's always good to have some extra extra set of eyes to say, yeah. You know it'd be funny that little bitch you did. You know what I'm saying? We could turn that shit into a vine, or we could turn that shit into this, and we could turn that shit into that. Because motherfuckers are like that shit, and you be like, "Where they like that shit?" Sometimes you got to get out your own way, right? You know what I'm saying? You just got to get out your own way, get out there and in it. You know, and and if you think that you're gonna do what you're doing just based off of the fact that I'm going to do this all myself. I'm going to write everything. I'm going to just get on, go get on this stage. I'm going to tell these jokes. And you could reach 200 people in the room, 200 people a night. When motherfucker drop a vine and hit, you know what I'm saying? And you could drop a vine and hit 100,000 people in in a vine. In a six second clip. In a six second clip. You ain't had to go nowhere. You could do that shit right on your block. You know what I'm saying? That's what the technology is giving the people who are using the technology. I don't know, dude. At some point, it has to stabilize. Though. Right now, it just seems like it's a it's a straight up... You told me this one time. The, the game is a monster that just needs constant content to feed it, feed it, feed it. Mm-hmm. And it's coming from all these streams. There's got to be a point, at least, where there's going to be like a singularity. So you, you want a gatekeeper. Not a you gate- want somebody to say, hey, this is the stuff that's good. No, no. I just want a sense of control. Like, it's just too much volume. You know, I, I, guess, I guess you got to pick, you gotta pick your, your, your feed, right? Exactly. But it's just too much. It's too, I, can't, I can't be on Instagram, Vine, Twitter. You can't be on all these platforms at all moments. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of got to pick your poison. But at some point, there's got to be, I feel like the game right now is like this, this manic dude who has a bunch of plates in his hand. And he's trying to figure out which plate's the most important. Mm-hmm. And at some point, and then and then the people who are like could figure that out and and make sense of that shit, they the ones that's winning. Correct, right. And and if you if you wait on the because what happens is you just, I want this shit to make sense. You know what I'm saying? I needed to just fucking streamline this shit. And then that's what they're gonna fucking come in and say, okay, shit. Only these channels are coming through, but YouTube already doing it. You know what I'm saying? They promoting. They got ads on trains, right, on building right, right. and shit about the people who they want to promote. So they making sense for people where to go look at this shit. And then your little channel going to sit over here and collect dust because nobody's going to want to look at it because the gatekeepers have already streamlined it. Because like, ah, to me, what's is happening it. is these little- So now you're going to want to go to YouTube and be like, hey, can you let me in? and be, let me Which be is in? what's happening. But, but why would you want that? Not that I want that. Because then they're going to tell you no. I'm just asking that that's the nature of the beast. Because what's happening is that the YouTubes, that's becoming basically a new network. Mm-hmm. So at one point, it was this like democratic you know, thing. But like now it's just going to be like a massive network where certain people get the more, expo- more exposure than others. Right. I mean, those people are the people who, who made that shit work for them when it was a very democratic place. Now that shit is motherfucking uh, fucking, uh, t- tyranny. 
Yeah, because at some point you get tired of searching and you do want established players like SoundCloud, right? You want to go to a place like, you know what? I'm tired of looking for places. I'm just going to go to SoundCloud. I'm, I don't want to be searching for what the best uh, music place is. I'm going to go to one source and I'm done. I, I don't want to be looking around. Right. I think that's what's slowly happening. And, and, I, certain- think, and I think that's that's the death of the shit. You know what I'm saying? Because when, when, when hip-hop was a place where you had to go search around and find shit, that's when you had a lot of different voices in the shit. That's when you had, that's when you could have Tribe, fucking DJ Quick, NWA, Luke, and motherfucking Outkast and Nas in the same fucking, in the same play. You know what I'm saying? All playing on radio in different places. You know what I'm saying? When everybody was digging and discovering. When you lose the discovery, you lose the fucking power. Because now, certain motherfuckers going to say, I'm only promoting motherfuckers who make me money. So, shit, this is it. This is it. Y'all choose. Right. And then everybody go stand in line. Please, please, sir, can you let me help make you some money, sir? You know what I'm saying? And then they going, eh, not you. How about you? How about you, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So now you get one fucking voice. And then all you have is smurders. But is that where the internet is headed? Not at this point right now It's fucking free for all Whoever got a fucking idea Can want to do some shit Do it But if you wait And don't do it Then your voice is not there Cause I, I, I see that happen With the internet dude I see, Like it, at some point It was this crazy Like Wild Wild Westland Now it's slowly getting Categorized and filtered Everything's getting It's own place It's getting like solidified But that's what you wanted Didn't you? No that's not what I'm saying That's what I wanted I'm saying that that's like um, That was my point earlier With the Rihanna I was saying like the, the certain pockets where success was happening, mm-hmm. people have already um, put a, such a strong foothold in that, those places that for new people coming in, it's that much harder. Like when the internet first came out, it disrupted everything. But it's not, it's not as like, you know, Rihanna got her audience, but you got new, new people who don't do shit. That's good at Instagram. Right, right, that right, got right, their right, audience right. too. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Rihanna is fucking, she, she's global. She's a fucking artist that travels the globe and touches thousands of people at a time. You know what I'm saying? In her concerts and her videos and her, you know, millions of people. So you can see where you have people who just show up on Instagram and, and make it happen. Because they, they've, they've learned the, the, the language of it. They learned the conversation of it. It's like, you know. It's a it's a certain way to, to crack jokes, you know what I'm saying? What we used to call rank. You know what I'm saying? Talk about you and you know what I'm saying, talk about your mama. There's a certain certain people that was real good at that shit and and understood that language and you just knew not to fuck with them. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they had that was them, like, okay, boom, now you the comedian of the block. You know? You had to find your space and dig it out and not worry about being at the top of that shit. You just got to fucking cultivate your people. And if that's 3,000 people, so be it. If it's 300,000 people, so be it. Because if you got 3,000 people, 1,500 of them people going to tell somebody, hey, man, listen to this shit. Yeah, it starts you know spreading. Like, you see this shit with our show, you know what I'm saying? Before, we, we had hit or miss shows. Now, them shits is consistently getting up to about 3,000 people. Right. Somebody telling somebody something. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to tell you the truth. I've been jumping around at different computer labs throughout the city. Mm-hmm. I've been playing the, the podcast. That's why we got so You was a bad motherfucker. Yeah, dude. I'm looking like that dude in the wire who's picking up the burners, going from you know store to store. You should be fucking doing that shit for your Instagram <laughs> and your Vine and shit. Look you how many views popping. I got. <laughs> 
But you take those 3,000 What's up 3,000 Yo shout and, out to the 3,000 And the 3,000 to tell 1,500 more Yo I didn't realize this Chris Did you know that people were buying YouTube views Did you know what I mean I mean, I mean, it's, that's been around, but a lot of that shit ain't really popping like that no and more. And I just think it's like it's dis- It's not organic. It's not, that defeats the purpose. Ain't nobody trying to be organic, Vlad. People trying to win. People buy Twitter followers too. Yeah, it's, it's that to me that that defeats the point. No, like, it don't. No, it more don't. people see your shit. That's kind yeah, of the point of what you're really talking. Really seeing your stuff, or they? Are it they, don't matter because when when somebody real. That comes to see your shit, see, oh, well, damn, he got 10,000 followers already, shit, he must be popping. It's perception, baby. It's like broke people buy Benzes. By the way, that should be the title of the podcast, Broke People Buying Benzes. <laughs> Ali, you say, some, you say some of the slickest lines sometimes, dog. Were you a pimp at an earlier line? <laughs> Dude, you know you got quoted the last time, right? Uh, what? Man, well, you said man-made, what was the line you said? <laughs> I said God uh, made butt. I said it? man made reading, God made booty. Yeah, and that that, that people love that on on the, on the social media, dude. <laughs> you said how broke people buy Benzes. First of all, the, that's the, why broke people buy Benzes. The, the alliteration is fabulous. <laughs> Just want to touch on that real quick, dude. <laughs> you must have been a pimp in your in your early days at Dade County, dude. I swear to God. Nah, wasn't me. But that's what I mean. Though, like some people wouldn't find that disingenuous. I would say, that, isn't that disingenuous? You're buying followers. No, everybody buy shit. You buy shit. You buy nice clothes so you can look a certain way. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. You know, you want to go on stage. Shout out to Adidas. You know what I'm saying? You you buy Adidas because you want a certain nostalgia to your shit. Hip hop baby. Everybody buy shit for certain reasons. You know what I'm saying? And and what people are buying is perception. So if if perceived that a hundred thousand people follow me, maybe twenty more will really follow me and do the shit that I want them to do. It's just yeah, I, I guess I guess like politics, right? You're buying you're buying perception. Shit, man. That's all this shit, man. This shit is all about, man. This is funny, dude. My dad, my dad has no idea. My mother's not on social media. They're like so out of that world, dude. And their lives seem simpler to me. My mother's not on Facebook checking to see what's going on. My dad's not on there. You don't have to be. You pick your lane. Your lane might be your block, man. If you just want to do the stage, man, you just do the stage. And 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 understand that that's the ramifications of that. Right, that's your lane. That's the lane you chose. That's your lane. If you choose that. You can't be mad if somebody got 200,000 followers on the Instagram like with your work, you're predominantly on Vimeo. Is that right? You do Vimeo for the most part. No, I'm I'm predominantly in the boardrooms with the shit that I'm doing right now. All right, so, I love that. So my my audience, it doesn't matter. I don't do this shit for the audience at this very point. You know what I'm saying? I do this shit for the for the for the people who I collaborate with. You understand? So I try to make the best shit for the people I collaborate with, so I can make more checks. And that's the business side of the shit. Creatively, when I do shit creatively. You put it wherever it's going to make the most sense. You know what I'm saying? It could be Facebook. It could be YouTube. You know what I'm saying? But as a business, when you're talking about the business side of what we do, we do that shit for the client. We want to make the client look best wherever they want to do it. Some clients want to put that shit on their Facebook. Some clients don't want to do shit with it but show their boss that we did a great fucking job. But I'm going to make that shit look like a movie. You know what I'm saying? 60 frames a second, baby. So 2024. Are you 24? (laughs) I want to ask you about that actually. What the difference is? Because Chris and I were having this conversation a little earlier uh, about uh, twenty four thirty versus sixty. You were f- I wanted to ask you this actually. TV is thirty. Film, the film when the film was on a reel, it moved at twenty four frames per second. 
But TV right now is 30 frames per second. TV is 30 so frames what, per second. So is 60 just, a, 60 just a sharper look? 60 is what people use more for slow-mo. So oh. you, you take 60 and then you, you double it back to 24, then you got slow motion. So that's what people use the 60 frames for. Oh, because I look at I, I saw some 60 frames per second clips recently, mm-hmm. and it, it looks like hyper real. Right. It looks better than reality. Right. But most of the time, when you, when, when you got 60 frames, people want to use that for slow-mo. The higher frames like that, you got 200 frames per second, that's that super slow-mo, you know what I mean? So that's what people use it for. Okay, all right, because I saw 60 frames, and it looked crispy. I was like, ooh, it's looking sexy. Yeah, man. So, you know, that's what we do. We do it to make the shit make us more money at this point. And and that's the reality of it, you know what I'm saying? Like I tell people all the time, I jumped in the game, you know, I crisscrossed from marketing, you know what I'm saying, media, crisscrossed over to video and branded content. There's a lot of guys that was already doing that shit and already shooting and already filmmakers and they went to film school and shit. All I did was fucking get a crew and buy some equipment and jumped in with ideas, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not the best film person ever, you know what I'm saying? I'm not the best. But what I do is I'm going to make the best shit for the lane that I'm in. I, you know what I'm saying? I'm not making TV commercials and shit like that right now. I'm making shit, you know what I'm saying, that that people want that's digital content. That's, you know, they want to tell a story about their brand and what their brand is doing or the people that they want associated with their brand. So hey, fuck it. We come up with something, we get the right people to put them in, we make some crispy looking shit. And we go home and and fucking pay bills and fucking pay the team. It's amazing to me, Ali, how like to this day with all the social media, the 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 concept of having a portfolio is still so powerful. Like with you, right? At some point you got your foot in the door, but now you have an actual portfolio. I don't have a portfolio. But I mean, you refer clients to stuff like check this. This is what I did. Yeah, yeah, but, but you know what I'm saying. That's that's some. This is what I learned. I learned this shit a few years back, 2007. I was on this trip. We took 12 producers to the DR to meet with the president to talk about shooting films in what Dominican was that, Republic. Lionel, who'd you? Come on, man. Oh, because I'm Dominican. That's why I'm asking. 2007 president of Dominican Republic. Oh, that's right. You did say 2007. You know okay, saying? all that, right. That, that guy. That, that, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he forgot his name. He forgot his name. Uh, Huang. That guy. My Hong, man. Hong my Hong man. Like, like this. Yeah, my man. <laughs> <laughs> so so we took 12 producers over, right? And um, you made me forget what the fuck I was talking about and shit. What was I talking about? This sounds to me like a great trailer. 12, Come on, man. What, 12, what was 12, I talking about? Come on, man. producers. We're talking about um, your portfolio. Right. Okay. So, boom. Another guy had some guy, a guy in uh, Graham Duffield from, from the UK, right? And then Graham was with a, with, a, with a guy who was building a fucking studio. And um, this guy was a photographer, right? A steel photographer. And he had shot. He was like Ronald Reagan's personal photographer, he had, was Clinton's for a while. So he had a portfolio of a bunch of shit, you know what I mean? And this one I learned the difference between a portfolio and a catalog. So I, w- I want to hear this. I want to hear this. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, always think portfolio. Everybody always, that's what broke motherfuckers. I always talk about a portfolio and shit. You calling me broke, Ali? I'm calling you broke, motherfucker. Damn, dog, you hear this? I'm just calling you broke. <laughs> Not calling you broke, but it's just, it's just a, the, 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 the science of a portfolio is, is you know what I'm saying? It, it takes away from what it could be. Keep mm-hmm. going, man. I'm, you got me hot now. You got me. You got me wet. So, so, 
Because I was in the same mindset, portfolio. I think he had portfolio and shit. So he wrote this book, and he's showing us all these pictures and shit. And then throughout the weekend, he was like, yo, I just got, I had my, um, I had my catalog appraised. And then, you know what I'm saying, like, okay. You know what I'm saying? He was like, yo, she just, she just told me that my, my, catalog, my catalog is worth $3 billion. And I'm like, because you don't know these people from no. I'm like, Psh, the fuck out. Get the fuck out of here with this bullshit. And that's what we're going to leverage to build this fucking studio. I'm like, Psh, some fucking bullshit. And, and it was just God. I got back to fucking New York. The next week, I went to the MoMA. They had this event at the MoMA. I'm in there. I'm looking at some shit. and like, damn, this shit dope. You know what I'm saying? Then after the MoMA, I walked over to the Time Warner Center, and they had, like, this gallery inside of the Time Warner Center. And it, was, it happened to be all photography. You know what I'm saying? So, and I'm looking at this photography that's up, that's on display. And you could tell it was all shot in one day. It was, it was, um, it was fucking uh, Frank Sinatra in Miami. Frank Sinatra and the crew in Miami. And if you could tell they shot it, you know what I'm saying, in this one day. So they had him at the hotel getting ready. They had him walking down the beach with, with his pistol in the, in the back of his uh, pants. And um, so at the, uh, so, you know, I'm looking through all of them. And it's probably like, like 15 different photo- photos up. And then I look at the price. It's like one of 10, $15,000. So I look around. One day of photography on the wall, I counted three hundred thousand dollars worth of work on that wall. So when my man, like you said, he shot for Ronald Reagan for all those years. He shot for Bill Clinton for a lot of years. He had all kind of mad celebrities in this thing. Yeah, it could add up, player. And that's when it changed my mind to not have a fucking portfolio. But to grow a motherfucking catalog. Tell me more. So if you, t- this is getting interesting to me. Tell me more the difference between a catalog and a portfolio. Portfolio is just what you show people of the work you've done. This is the work I've done. This is my portfolio. Can you please give me a job? By the way, I love your voice the way it changes when you. <laughs> <laughs> catalog is saying, this is my inventory of shit that I've done over my career. And this is the value attached to each piece. You know what I'm saying? The difference is value. You know what I mean? With portfolio, you're showing somebody asking, hey, can this is what we do. Do you want to, you know what I'm saying, you know, hire us to do this for you? With a catalog, you're saying, this is the body of work, and this is the value attached to each piece. This is a price tag. Putting the price tag on the shit that you do. So when you walk into a room, you're not giving them, you're not, you're not giving them a portfolio. When I walk into a room, I show them my work, my body of work. But I took portfolio out of my vocabulary. I threw it out. But isn't that the same thing when you walk in there showing mm-mm, your work? Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, it's not? It's, it's all about value. It's all about value. You know what I'm saying? It's all about value. And when you, when you have a catalog, you add value. You put value. You, you put a number. You attach a number to each little thing that you do. Because I could easily, like, as an artist, right, somebody come to me. And I could easily do one thing for totally free because I have a skill set where I could do a number of things. I could could go from free to thousands of dollars. You know what I'm saying? But when you step in and you go into a room and you have your catalog of work and you you attach value to the types of things that you do, somebody say, hey, I want you to do this. You know what I'm saying? And that that number could be free. 
Oh, it could be a hundred dollars. But I found that when you charge a motherfucker a hundred dollars, they still gonna want, you know what I'm saying, ten thousand dollars worth of work from mm-hmm. you. You understand what I'm saying? So you like Drake said, you gotta know your value, know your worth, man. And just like one artist can charge, you know, three hundred thousand dollars a show, well another artist is just doing promo. You know what I'm saying? But when you, when it comes to your body of work, like an artist like Jay Z, he bought back, he earned back, finagled back the rights to his catalog. You know what I'm saying? And that's more valuable than just making a bunch of records. There's plenty of people that make a bunch of records that don't own the catalog. They have a portfolio of work. Hey, these are all my albums. You really got me thinking, Ali. I'm glad I'm got you thinking. No, you do because I'm I'm looking at it from a standard perspective. Like if if um I put out a couple hours, those are my catalogs. Exactly. This is not my portfolio. This is my catalog. This is my first. This is my first half hour. This is my first hour. Mm -hmm. This is uh my first you know sketch I shot on SNL whatever it is. This is my catalog of work. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like when you when you uh, when you dealing with when you different like when you dealing with rich people right, and it's like say me. You know what I'm saying? My my particular mindset, I got a house, right? You know what I'm saying? I own my house. But it's a house. You know what I'm saying? Somewhere to live. Lights are on. You know what I'm saying? Shelter. Shelter. It's fucking shelter and shit. But then you go to a rich person's third home in the Hamptons or some shit like that. And it's their estate. And usually that estate has a name and shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and... and then you start to realize that this shit is not just some fucking shelter. This is this, this shit is like a part of their fucking family and yeah, shit. Yeah, like you know what I'm yeah, saying? It has it's more. A, it's an asset. It has more meaning to the whole situation. You know Our what I'm saying? Summer home. This shit is gonna be in the family for a while. You know what I'm saying? Like my shit is liable to be flipped, <laughs> gentrified <laughs> and shit. You're flippable you know right saying? now. You're like, flippable. Like, I'm like shit. <laughs> you got the right number. Hey. <laughs> Flippable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's it's just changing the mindset around this just the same shit. It's two houses, two pieces of property. It's real estate. But it's how you looking at it. Some people look at it as an investment. Some people look at it as, you know what I'm saying, a staple in their family. Some people just look at it as shelter. Now Ali, how much of what you're talking about is a straight up mind mind switch? Oh, I love it. I'm gonna give you an example I'm talking about. When D and I first started working together, you know, we started coming up in the game. It came to a point where we wanted to get paid for comedy. Mm-hmm. And D and I would always ask this question, what's the budget? Mm-hmm. And depending on the person, they would be like, yo, the budget is X. Other people would be like, yo, you trying to get paid? Right. And you got to deal with that person's mm-hmm. perception of who you are. Right. It sounds to me like what you're saying, like you as an artist, as a businessman, have to have this saying like, listen, I have a catalog. I don't do portfolio. Like it's a, it's a mind flip. Right. It's a mind flip. And and in my mind, when I stood in Time Warner Center and counted up $300,000 worth of pictures on the wall from one day of shooting, that shit changed my fucking mind. Like that? Like that. Like, oh shit, I understand what that motherfucker was talking about when he said his catalog. Getting it appraised. You don't appraise a portfolio. Interesting. You don't appraise your rental property and shit. You know what I'm saying? But so, th- so you don't treat your work like a rental property. But at that point, you have to see yourself as worth of that type of perception. Like, you know what? I, I, I mess with catalogs. I don't deal with Exactly. Work. So you can't be scared of the technology. When you, when you understand your value and your worth 
and you understand the value of pushing it. It's like baby, right? Baby cash money. He understands the value of catalogs and shit. So no matter how whack y'all fucking think he is rapping, he's going to always have a song with the hot new motherfucker on his label. Always. Because you know what? That's another motherfucking thing in the catalog. I got 15 songs with Drake. I got, you know what I'm saying, 100 songs with Wayne. So as long as they catalog is strong, my catalog is strong. Imagine you had one record on every Michael Jackson album. You would be a rich motherfucker. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's, so the certain point we're talking about is self-belief. It's fucking knowing your worth. It's putting a value attached to your business. But how do you put that value? Like, you, how do you, you how in do you, fucking business to make money. Absolutely. But how do you say to yourself, this is what I'm worth right now? You fucking say it. And you believe it. And then you find out real quick if anybody pay it or not. Now, have you met people that have ha- have ha- had that swag of like, yo, I work with catalog. And then you look at their catalog and you're like, homie, you are delusional. It don't matter. It don't matter. Yeah, you work with them. You work with them all the time. It's a lot of times you have to because, like, like say somebody like Bobby Smurda. Bobby Smurda come to you and say, hey, I, I need 15 for this show, 15000 You like, fuck out of here. Off one record? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he get it because he got the hot record right now. So imagine every club that plays his kind of music wants him to come through and perform because now they could charge their audience that comes there Fucking five times the admission. To go see a walkthrough. To go see a walkthrough or just go see him do the one record. You know what I'm saying? It's worth it to the promoters. A whole ecosystem of people that's going to pay for people who got value. Your job is to create value. So when you're talking about the audiences and Instagram and all that shit, Rihanna creates value because anything she does, whether it's a photo shoot, whether it's fashion, whether it's a fragrance or whatever, they know that she got a fucking navy of a such such million people on the fucking social media that she talks to every day and that, that increases her value. And this people look at it like, you know, oh, she just on there fucking putting up pictures and shit. Yeah, but she creating value at the same time. And she's increasing the value of her catalog by doing so. It's fascinating, dog. And that's about it. That's about, oh, we, we, we went over, dog. <laughs> we went over. You know what, Ali? Anytime you and I get together, we should call these sessions hashtag tools for living. <laughs> I'm serious, man, because we, we really get into like the, 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 how, to, how to win. Yeah, I hope the 3,000 can follow us. <laughs> yeah, how to win. Listen, y'all, we got to run. I, I, I hope we can, uh, Ali and I, we get to, I hope we get together again and and have more how do we win conversations how to win how to how to, how to win tools for living um this is your boy vlad uh, so ali where you at man what's going on what's going with you man i'm in that building the catalog you know so i'm i'm um, i'm doing pre-production on an original series so we're doing that now we're, we're actually writing you know what i'm saying it's gonna be a interesting web series kind of play and where can they watch your stuff, Ali? Like, if, if I wanted to go online and see some well, stuff? Well, at, um, they could get all my, like, my business stuff on um, Vimeo.com slash HustleVision. Check Ali out, man. I'm telling you, dude, dude is, uh, he's a 60 frame per second dude. That's dude my, is. that's my, you know, corporate catalog over there. And then we're going like to put out, we're going to, we going to put out, you know what I'm saying, the real, the real stuff, you know what I'm saying, coming up soon. Because you got the catalog, yeah. <laughs> your boy laugh is the boy laughing, Vlad. I'll be at uh, I'll be at Penn State Hazleton to, uh, Thursday. I'll be at Shippingsburg on Friday. Catch me at the Stand Comedy Club on Monday, and then for the rest of the dates, go to laughingvlad.com. Stay winning, y'all. Stay classy. Peace. Peace.